Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Friday, February 21st, 2020. You guys already know this is episode 09999. We are one away from three digits, ladies and gentlemen. That is crazy to say. But I am so excited about this episode, guys. We actually had him on a year ago with our mutual friend, Tim Emony, but I knew I needed to give this guy his own episode to tell his story. He goes by the name of D-Mash. D-Mash, ladies and gentlemen, that's another name you want to add to the Rolodex. He is without a doubt one of Chicago's biggest rising stars for a multitude of reasons. With a slew of originals and remixes under his belt and an incredible live resume, D-Mash has it all. But he's one of the most hardworking people I've ever met. He moved over from India at eight years old. He was raised by a beautiful family who's always supported him. But I don't want to talk too much, guys, because this guy has the best stories. He's so smart when it comes to social media marketing. He's a genius at production, but he's the first person to tell you that it didn't happen overnight. So I want to get in this one right now, guys. D, thank you so much for taking the time. I went up to his place in Lakeview. We sat down in his studio. Just a great environment. So much good energy in there. So without further ado, guys, let's get into it right now. This is episode 99 with D-Mash. D-Mash! What's up, man? Dude, I'm so excited that we're finally getting to do this. Just you and I. Yeah. Last um, time, Tim was there to fuck up our interview. Shout out to Emily douchebag just Fuck kidding him. really good guy really good guy and just said he sent me a poster for an event we got coming up so i love working with him but when was it that was over a year ago just over a year wow was it around this time yeah it was, but or was it around in summer it was i remember it was right after new year's it was right oh after, yeah it might have right been after, right around like a year ago today yeah it was wow well it's meant to be then yeah a lot has a lot has happened since then Fuck. for both of us yeah time flew huh really though but you know we originally crossed paths in north Coast 2018 yeah. You know, silent disco. I remember somebody said, I'm going to see my friend D. I was like, oh, D Mash. And I, you know, I'm like, I looked at, I stared at the lineup, you know, when you're in your first We all, yeah, lineup. we all did. Who's this, Who's this guy? I gotta <laughs> see him. Who's this guy? Even before, Why is his name before me? Right, exactly. You know, it's like, alphabetical. Did you used to study like local lineups before like you even started getting stuff? And you're like, who's that? Who's this? Mm, not necessarily, but I think like a few months ago I was doing this. Uh, something about Swing Awakening came up in mm-hmm. EDM Chicago, yeah, aka Savage Chicago. Uh-huh. Oh uh huh. Oh my god. That's and I was, uh, I don't know, but it was somebody posted like a 2013, 2014 flyer of Sanf. Dude, I, was, I saw that. I was looking at it, and Louis the Child, and so many like party favorites. Boombox Cartel. Yeah, big acts were like all the way on the bottom with so many of our local friends. And now... Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. They're doing their headline tours. Seems like a long time ago looking at that, but thinking about everything that's happened since I've started, since you've started, right? Time goes by fast. So it's like, if you don't keep that pace, you'll stay at that little lineup. Yeah. You'll get left behind. Not even that. You get dropped. There's so many people looking to take your spot. Right. Immediately, it's gone. Right. It's such a competitive industry, but you've proven to me time and time again, D, that 
it's relationship driven. So I just want to start off by acknowledging you. Like Thank you're you. such a great guy in the scene and awesome producer, awesome DJ. You're so Thank helpful. You. For people that don't know that, like you really are. And I think there's sometimes a stigma with yeah. maybe young, successful, right? I yeah. Mean, you just are, bro. You're a stud. So Thank shout you. out to you. Like you're an awesome producer, releasing some great music, great shows. I feel like this is your year. Thank you. How you been feeling lately? Good. It's a, it, it got off to a nice start. My mm-hmm. one goal was like, I want to play Aragon before 2019 and December, uh, October comes by, uh, no calls or emails for the show. <laughs> November comes by and I'm like, you know, they book that stuff out way in advance. So right. I'm like, like, it's not going to happen. It's mid December and I got a call saying that, Hey man, we need someone. Do you want to open? Yeah. You think you'd be a great fit. You bring on a lot of people. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> And a fisher, I, dude. Yeah, and I was I was sick, and they're like, "Well, you have sixteen hours. Do you think you can get a set ready?" I'm like, "I need sixteen minutes." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm coming over right now. Yeah, I'm, I can't let that go. So that was that was very, uh, you know, that was like very interesting how it happened. I was able to get that like one big goal, yeah, in my pocket right before 2019 ended, and before 2019 had fully ended, I was already on this show that you, from past weekend yeah. with Shaq. So that Huge. was, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been great. Um, and then we rushed a release and made two versions of that and dropped it right before the show. So yeah. things worked out really well, I guess. You're good, dude. That yeah. doesn't sound rushed. Are you working on those? I was over here, like, whatever, a month and a half yeah. ago or something? That, that version literally started that week you came of. Really? So the first version had been done for the longest time, and I was like, I want to add a second drop or a second part of it, but I don't want it to be that type of thing where it's... It's the same thing. Yes, I do remember you saying, I gotta write the second drop here. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want it to be the same second drop with a harder bass or anything. Right. So I had this second idea I was messing with, messing with, it felt just too generic or simple. Mm -hmm. And I I just couldn't give it up. And next thing you know, just from one sound, the whole fucking track was born. It's literally two keys, the two leads that are playing (laughs) in the back. Yeah. That are repeating every three steps. So that thing like burst the whole track, and then I'm like, instead of releasing the VIP later, I'm just gonna push both of them out right away. It just I love it. I love that kind of like, you know, uh, Cascade is a huge influence on me, and I'm sure you remember his album Fire and Ice. Yeah, of course. I mean, what a what a another level of production, right? Yeah. To remix your own songs, mm-hmm. but I love how you kind of did that, right? Yeah. Like a VIP. I was thinking about this actually on the way over. Who like started doing these VIP? I don't. I don't edits? know. Because it's it's cooler. It's yeah. definitely fucking cooler. I think it started with like flips. Yeah. First they were called like flips or yeah. edits. Yeah. And then I think like VIP was just like a harder or a different version. Mm-hmm. It was definitely harder. I think it definitely was birthed, or at least to my knowledge. Yeah. More from like a dubstep, future based trap scene, like where right. artists knew, like you see Nightmare, his song with I think who is it. Um, can't remember was it Lugana or oh uh, the rapper yeah uh, it was ASAP Ferg ASAP yeah, yeah ASAP Ferg yeah and then and then there's a VIP to that and it's yeah, completely different it's so. crazy yeah it's like pleasing both sides of the fans there are fans that just want to hear a good drop yeah combined to that and there's fans who want to hear the vocals so it worked For out sure. perfectly your music is very emotional though, man thank you even though it's so bass driven I mean yeah. these shows we're mentioning here right like yeah. It's crazy to see you be able to open for someone and be on the same lineup like Fisher and also Shaq, right? Yeah. And I'm noticing more and more these days, and we've talked mm-hmm. about this a lot, it's like people kind of coming to grips with the similarities and differences between the left side of dubstep and the right side of house, right? Yeah. There's one common element, and it's mm-hmm. heavy fucking bass. Yes. Right? Hey, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at, uh, you know what's so crazy? Chris Lake has been around 
fuck, so long. Uh, he used <laughs> to play Spy Bar back in the day, and yeah. people like wouldn't have known him, or at least like fans that go to his shows now. And the oh, same, no way, no way. And the same people are going to like Nightmare, Slander, right. Bass Nectar, Subtronics, and they love it. And they at the end of it. the day, it's about just like music and. If, it's kind of cool to see how these trends have repeated, you know, mm-hmm. how it started, Big Room came around, dubstep, future bass trap, and now it's all repeating again. Right, and it's it's so cool because every day, the quality of speakers in these venues just yeah. gets it's better just and better, better at festivals. It's like... The only thing getting bad is the quality of my hearing and other people's, <laughs> but that's definitely getting bad. Thought we talking about this. You gotta wear the earplugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what's weird? What? Everybody doesn't hear as well when they wear earplugs. I hear better for some reason. If I'm Dude. in a nightclub and I have earplugs on, I'm able to hear more clearly. I actually... Clearly. What kind of earplugs do you use in the club? Well, I'm just using regular off of Amazon earplugs. I right. want to go to that place where they do a custom mold of your mm-hmm. ear and stuff. Yeah. I've been looking into that, but I also have very sensitive ears right. and issues with that. As you know, I just got over, right. so. Yeah, I know. Massive ear infection. I just want you to I take mean, care of yourself, D. I'm trying. Right. They're, they're, they're called manufacturing <laughs> defects. I'm not a bad person at taking <laughs> care of myself. We didn't ship you from China. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, you were originally born in India. Yeah, I was. Let's start from the beginning. My man. my parents always say like, "Why are you always getting sick? Take care of yourself. It's your, it's your lifestyle." I'm like, "No, it's the fucking manufacturing <laughs> defects. I have nothing to do over this. I'm not doing anything to mess my ears up or anything. I mixed that track with an ear infection, and I was so even to this day, I'm going back and I'm like listening in my car or headphones uh-huh. and different things, and I'm like, could I have done this differently? Could I have done this differently? Because I the track was completely done because my issue is the creating, drawing the line between finishing writing mm-hmm. and then finally going and mixing. And right. I like to be completely done with writing when I go into mixing because what happens is when I start, and I had this issue for previous tracks, mm-hmm. when I when I start, you know, mixing and then I start like, oh, I should change this and write this and now I'm starting from top and like, yeah, it doesn't sound and there is 60 versions. So track was done and I started mixing it and I'm like, fuck, it just doesn't feel like, when your ears are plugged, you know, yeah, yeah. it was, it was like, underwater. when you, no, not even that, when you're on an airplane, you get off and you're walking through that tunnel and yeah. constantly yawning and swallowing, right. waiting for that pop, yeah. and it didn't happen for a week, it was the most annoying, oh frustrating God. thing ever, Jesus, but, sounds good now, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think so, man, I think so, I remember we had a great conversation about your parents and how supportive they've been, I mean, Contrary to popular belief, right? Like, I think what people know about the Indian culture just as a whole is very systematic, very religious, yeah. right? What was it like kind of for you growing up? I mean, at a young yeah. age especially. When Certainly. did music come into your life? Electronic music even. Yeah, I think we talked about it when we did the podcast the first time. Uh-huh. The very first time, or I think we talked about it last time you were over. Yeah. The very first time I saw a DJ, I think I was like a seven, I was seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a wedding party. Great and story. And this is why I love Steve Angelo, but yeah. in his like vlog size TV series, he says back in the day, music wasn't about who the DJ is. It was about the speaker systems, how big they are. <laughs> so you, you, you never even saw the DJs. The DJs were behind the speakers <laughs> and stuff. And that's exactly what had happened. And yeah. I, had, I didn't even know what, who Steve Angelo was then. It's like these kids came in on like these little trucks and they're unloading these massive subs. Yeah. And then speakers on top and then top line on top and... And then behind him is a big table, and this guy's DJing on like pretty much what are DVD players. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, and they're they call them modded DVD players. There are no turntables or anything. Was this an Indian party? Yeah, it yeah. was. I think it was like a wedding party or oh, something. Yeah, that was crazy. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, it was in like this little farm kind of thing, and uh, I remember just seeing like it was I think like fifty people just fucking dancing and stuff. <laughs> but what what was cool is like every time I walked behind the speakers, I saw like this guy was literally in control of every single emotion they're feeling and everything. Like he's controlling their and he's basically communicating. It sounds cheesy, but he's communicating no, to them through like all the music he's playing, the order he's playing it, the way he's bringing it in. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing. And then, back then, internet obviously wasn't crazy. Like DSL was just starting up in the U.S. And yep. so what we had there were like cyber cafes. Foreign countries still have them. Yeah, it's like a Starbucks with computers and right. Wi-Fi. Right. So I would go there and try to learn about DJing and stuff. And I found the first virtual DJ. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I'm sure everybody's seen the second virtual DJ. And yeah. Most people probably don't even remember. It was just six channels. If you look at like Ableton or if you look at FL Studio, six channels and just mixers. And you can load songs on each of them and it has a play and a pause button. That's no it. turntable spinning thing, no pitch tempo, no nothing. No effects. <laughs> no pitch tempo? Yeah, you can hold W and put up arrow and move like one of the channels up. You can hold Q and move one Jeez, of them up. And it's, like it's a cheap yeah, and it was, that's, that's, <laughs> all, that's all that was. Yeah. And I used to just practice that all day. And I remember around this time GTA Vice City mm-hmm. was a big thing so half half of the like cyber cafe was people just gaming yeah because most people didn't have computers there right their of houses, course. so they were just gaming there and the other half was like you know people studying and there's me in the corner just going ham just trying <laughs> to mix DJing, it yeah just DJing and they're like what the fuck are you doing and I'm like my dad thought I was just hanging out with the wrong kids and stuff. I'm this seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid walking right. into a cyber cafe. Right. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just learning things. Uh, <laughs> and then we, I remember like for, I think like it was my eighth birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad was a computer engineer. So having a computer in the house was like just essential. Right, of course. Uh, and that was the first thing we got. And it was like the best day of my life. Wow. But... You didn't have internet, so what you do is you go to the cafe, you get mm-hmm. a DVD, you put the software on there, you come home, <laughs> put it on there, load yeah. it up, and that's it. And wow, I used to connect like these two small speakers to the computer, and then connect our our TV speakers to the computer to get as much sound. <laughs> Part of me thought it was louder, but what the driver actually did is just split the sound signals to the speakers. So yeah. no matter how high each speakers were, they were all the same. <laughs> But I think it's time though. You can yeah, I was having the greatest time. Yeah, Neighbors were playing and everything. What were you playing? Anything and everything. Like, everything before, like, Zombie Nation. Uh, who is the... Like, Sandstorm? No, even before that. Like, old... Uh, I'm talking, like, before Steve Angel and stuff. Like, Edward Maya was famous back oh, then. Did you Jesus. know those songs? Yeah. Uh, we're going who, deep. Who else am I thinking of? Uh, Justice and all these yeah. bands. Daft Punk and yeah. stuff. And uh, it, this is, like when LimeWire was starting to get famous. Yeah. <laughs> and my parents just saw that I was this... I was different. Yeah. <laughs> Here are my sisters coming home from, like, Catholic schools and, like, full uniforms and stuff. <laughs> I'm sitting there, my legs can't... My feet don't even touch the ground, and I'm just clicking at it. <laughs> playing loud. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people were, like, playing outside and stuff, but I was just doing this. And I used to put my speakers... Because everybody plays on the street, so... Yeah. I would... Put my speakers on the through the window holes so just people could listen. That's it. Yeah. And for some reason, I thought I was gonna impress everybody with this. Right. Of course. Uh, yeah, that's like my earliest memory of that. Where did so you move from India to when you were four years old? Uh, no, eight. Eight years eight, old. Yeah. Eight years old. Mm-hmm. And where did you move to? Chicago. Chicago. Illinois, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Do you have any friends that influence you here? Like, who were you, like, doing this with by yourself? Mm, yeah, just, it was just me. Nobody, I mean, I basically lost all my friends because you pick up and move to a whole new place. Right, of you know? course. Um, Did that affect you at all? I mean... Yeah, I mean, dramatically. That's I've, a really significant age. Yeah, that was... And then we lived in, like, not the best neighborhood, so it was like the transition was hard. At one point, I never thought I would say this today, but at one point, I just wanted to, like, go back. It just felt... I felt so out of place, almost. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I remember <laughs> our neighbors had internet, and I got yelled at by them, like... I was like, oh, yeah, I have to fill out, like, uh, a form for, like, my vaccines or something, which I did. My dad had to email, but I first thing I did was download Virtual DJ, yeah. and I'm fucking going <laughs> at it. Um, this is when those, like, big HP laptops are big with the two buttons and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and so music was always a part of the thing, and my parents just noticed that I was passionate about it and they loved it. My parents were surprisingly very open-minded. They, they wanted me to do creative things, unique things. My dad was a self-made man. He had his own businesses on the side, on his own, Mm -hmm. aside from his degree and stuff. Um, so it was just one of those things. Like my dad was like proud of that, happy about that. Yeah. Actually he called me today. He's like, when are you sending me that video for the shack? I was like, I haven't even caught up on sleep since that show. <laughs> so he's like, send it to me. I want to show everyone at work. And I'm like, yeah. Right, so you told me he sends videos to everybody of you. Everybody. The realtor? The realtor, yeah. <laughs> he, I, was, I was back home and I'm like, you know, uh, I need to get the insurance policy card. It was a PDF. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, just go in my email. I emailed it to you, but just go in the send box because I might have sent it to the wrong email. Mm-hmm. And I go in the send box and it's like, uh, video attachment to our realtor and I'm like is he selling the house without telling me or something <laughs> so I click on it and it's my video I'm like what are you doing oh my god he's like he needs to know what you're doing I was like have you talked to him when's the last time you talked to him and yeah. he's like when we bought the house and I'm like so you're out of nowhere hey look at my son but it's the most adorable thing so that's amazing that's how they are my dad's on a similar wavelength as well he's he's I think I told you he grades me Every single episode gives me detailed feedback. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing like having your parents yeah. as your biggest fans. Yeah. Have they come nice. to see your shows at all? No, not yet. It's going to be time I, soon. Yeah, I mean, I've had the opportunity to bring them out. I want to do it. I want to progress more. It's For sure. I just want it to be something more. Yeah. Can you turn the fan on? It's yeah. Um, that's, that's actually pretty special, though. I mean, the time will be right. Yeah, I just wanted them to come at a... I feel like Valentino Khan would have been a great show for them to come to, but... Yeah. Also, I want them to kind of um, come at a... When I'm further down, you like know? Like Lollapalooza Perry stage? Yeah, that would, that would be great. I see that in your future. That would be... A, I know you do, too. Would, I see it, but I try to just work my ass off towards it rather than say it. I'm very insecure with it. You've got a determined tunnel vision, and I mean that yeah. in the most like proactive and positive way, Thank because you. like you're so goal-oriented... Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're like a perfect example of someone who has these short-term goals that all make sense for your long-term goal, yeah. right? Yeah. And when I when I started out, I had, I everybody has that bedroom DJ vision, you know, stage. <laughs> and that's it. And when you close your eyes, you're in your room, you're throwing your hands up, and so you just special. see that stage. But as I've gone through the steps, I've realized that, you know, first you're the opener DJ in your local bar, then you you don't just go to the next nightclub, then you no. go to the mid-slot in a local bar, then you yep. go to the headline slot in a local local bar, yep. and then you go to the smallest nightclub yep. opening slot. It's slots, then venues, and then cities, and then, you know, around. And, you gotta earn it. Yeah. 
You gotta earn it. So many people aren't willing to, and I, weight is not even sometimes, the more I talk about this, the more I discuss it with people like yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I used to compare it to a line, and I think everybody's waiting in line for a great roller coaster, right? And the roller yeah. coaster is, let's just say, Perry stage again, right? Yeah. Like, people are like, all right, one day, I get this small bar gig, 20 of my friends come. Fuck yeah, it's the That's greatest it. set ever, right? And then six months down the road, your friends aren't coming as much, but you're getting a little better gigs, and yeah. you get a little more steam. And then there's always a long period, unless you're Martin Garrix, right? Unless yeah. you're doing something completely revolutionary mm-hmm. of like this, right? Yeah. And this flat plane is different for everybody. Yeah. And now I'm realizing it's kind of like, dude, it's like the world's longest race that we're in. And yeah. It's just the it's, pace it's, that yeah. you're going at. So it's like, what is your pace? And it's so yeah. hard because sometimes you're like, I need to run slower. I'm going to wear myself out. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, no, somebody else is going to run faster than me. No, I've, I've been there and I'm always... Truthfully, I'm always having different opinions about that race. Yeah. One day I'm telling myself I need to slow down. One day I'm telling myself I'm fucking lazy and I right. need to start sprinting. Right. And there's never like a week long where I'll have the same mindset. Never. But I think that keeps it active. And yeah. like you said, like when you get here, it's how you respond when you're here. Just yep. start bringing that curve back up. As long up. as you don't go back down. Yeah. Because it's like I, I very rarely see people stay and mm-hmm. then go down unless it's a drop off yeah you either stay you drop off or you just keep slow you realize that you're going up a little bit this whole time yeah no no absolutely thank you and and that's exactly it and you can drop down and come back too you know life absolutely life has its weight but it's again it's how you respond to whatever your career is putting you through and yeah and that's also the thing like when i've done these things uh, sometimes the misconception is like it was handed to me or I just came into position, but mm-hmm. it was just like, I never looked at it like work. It was just so fucking fun. I loved it. It was, a, it became such a part of me that it was just like, I, ha- I, it's not that I have to do this to get there. You know, sometimes you're like, oh fuck, I have to go to work. I have a fever, yeah. but I have to go to work. Right. I was like, fuck that. I want to go to work. Like I have a fever. I needed somebody else to yell at me. Like, you need to chill out. Like, you're sick. Go you got rest. Like Michael Jordan in you. Yeah. Michael Jordan fever game, baby. That's yeah. you all the time. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why. And then like, sometimes after a few milestones, I'm like, fuck it. Did, it never felt like work. Right. And I love that. It felt so good that it never felt like work. Right. And I think the important thing that people need to understand is it doesn't feel like work, but we're working hard. Yeah. We're working hard. And that's, that's also the thing. It's sometimes yeah. when you, you get put on a stage at North Coast and stuff. I was questioning myself. I'm like, do I even deserve this? Like, or did I come into play? But then it's like, you're so humble, man. Yeah. Like, you deserve that, dude. And that <laughs> was a great you. set. I'm going to talk about that later. Thank you. But I mean, dude, you really have had such success at a young age. And I don't think it's by chance, right? You say right place, right time. I say I agree with that. But you capitalize on these opportunities. Yeah. I mean, that one story, if you are willing to share, what were you, 19 <laughs> or 20 years old? I was... 22, 21. Tell us that story. After 21. It's really incredible. So I'm gonna, you were at the right place, right time. Yeah. You fucking delivered, baby. So, I'm part of me. I'm going to just keep names out just so people are in like... Yeah, yeah no yeah. problem. Just the uh, Yeah, no, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, before I start the story, it was like somebody in my life once told me, it was like, you think you got fucking lucky? Yeah. What's the definition of luck? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know... Uh, somebody thinks you're great or something falls out of the sky and he's yeah. like what's the definition that like you're wrong and this person is like it was a family member screaming at me like tell me the exact definition i'm like all right fuck you i'll google it like he was almost <laughs> trying to antagonize me i google it, and every single picture or dictionary says when opportunity meets preparation mm. that's when you got lucky because yep. you were prepared yep 
you are you want to be any room you're in you want to be over prepared and i haven't been over prepared in every room i've been but mm -hmm. i've tried to be best prepared possible sure um and uh, you know i came into this position as an intern for marketing mm -hmm. um my goal was to basically bring people out and strategize as many ways as possible i yep. could dm girls guys saying hey we have this night you should come out yeah whereas i took the strategic way of like dming calling sephora downtown who has the most girl staff <laughs> Fucking support. I can call it Victoria's Secret, but they're gonna fucking laugh in my face. Right. But makeup artists, that's where all, all the hairstylists and stuff work out. So I called Sephora and I'm like, hey, we'd love to host your staff out here. And we'll, we'll, I was yeah, I was just like I no, I just called it. Smart, and, dude. Yeah, and I was passing by uh Topman, which is closed now, and Sephora used to be right around that corner. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I remember seeing it, it was just all female staff. And you know, if you're a promoter or a DJ and you're playing, yeah, venues care when you bring out girls obviously most because that brings out guys and it evens up creates a party right and this is just a business where no matter how you know dull or shallow it seems mm -hmm. so i used to do strategic things like that i'm like you know i can dm 100 people and 10 will come out yeah i dm that one person they'll bring out 10 friends yes so give them a call that, yeah the, the partier of the group or not the leader but the one that's degenerate that encourages everyone else <laughs> <laughs> so i used to do that and then you know, the company I was working for was going through a transition and they're like, you know, we need a marketing person who knows this platform yeah. uh, of how to do it. And it was just an instinct and I just jumped up and I'm like, I know how to do it. And the owner and the you know manager in charge is like, they kind of just like exchanged looks and just went away. And, he's, and you know, manager's like, um, you can't just jump like that because this isn't something small. This is yeah. like an annual budget of $150,000. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 I was, a, and my, like, insecurities kicked in, and I got, like, you know, I felt my age difference, and yeah. my value in the room kicked in, and these are all the people that have been in the industry for 10, 16, 15 years, yeah. have paved the way in Chicago. Right. You know, have created the most iconic venues, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And yeah. That put EDM on, on the map in the Midwest. Yep. yep. And, um. Uh, and so my insecurities kicked in like fuck I just spoke up at the wrong person about the wrong thing yeah and I, I got on the defense I'm like no no I swear I've worked with them since they were in the beta testing this and that and he's like seriously and I'm like yeah yeah and he's like come here and show me and I'm like see this is what you do this way he's like you already fucking lost me and then he <laughs> he tells them he literally slacks them and he's like I guess the kid knows what he's doing yeah and he looks at me he's like then owner pops out and he's like you ready for this call then we're have a call with them and I was like, oh, fuck, I wonder if he did that to just test me or did right. they have a call already? Right. Turns out they had a call already mm -hmm. to give them a walkthrough. And um, and I'm like, yeah. And the manager looks at me again and he's like, are you sure? Because at that point, I'd rather make an excuse for you saying you got sick or right. food poisoning and you went home right. and not make it because this is your one way out. And I'm like, no, I swear I know it. And I, I started doubting myself, started going back on Google, the platform, relearning things. And I'm like, I fucking know this. Why am I questioning myself? But I still did. Started writing them down. We go on the call. Uh, go on the call. <laughs> the uh, CMO of the company's like, uh, who's on the call? And they say, you know, D, he's our uh, marketing intern who's being put through trenches right now. And they go, oh, D, uh, uh, Darmesh, and something like that. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, and they're like, like, you know, they're like, yeah, man, what's up, D? He's the fucking beta test for us. Like, when we were a fucking social profile for this thing. Oh, my God. He knows God. the ins and outs of this. You guys are in good hands. And then, like, the fucking 
like tension broke away and it yeah. was all smiles. Right. And then they're like, we'll, we'll do the, the walkthrough, but we'll basically talk directly to D like, and we're on this big TV and stuff. And it just kept going. And next thing you know, it's like, I trusted them. Then they gave me a budget for the first campaign. We brought it out through the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did some strategic things that still, it was an act that was very hard to sell. Yeah. But they had a big pillow fight and I won't say who, but <laughs> so I was like, why aren't we using that? if they're already having a pillow fight again and they hold the world record for a pillow fight (laughs) to market it. So let's do it that way. Let's just stop saying blah, 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 act coming to blah, blah, blah venue. Right. Uh, Let's market it this way and let's retarget the data we have from five, six years ago. Let's do it this way and like, you know, channel our marketing approaches. Right. And next thing you know, the show that was tanking in a lot of markets came through and they loved it. The agents loved it. And even the agent, uh, the marketing agent from, the agency asked me, he's like, can you give me your campaign breakdown? Because that was great. We'd love to like get this kind of success in other right. markets. And I was like, right. absolutely. Wow. And next thing you know, the trust was just placed on my shoulder. And right. it still didn't feel like work because I, it's not that I taught myself this. It's that I wanted to learn this at an early age when I was in high school. And so yeah. Because I wanted to do it for myself, because I saw it as a career for myself, and because I just found marketing interesting. You understood there's a yeah. business behind this. Exactly. And, and their companies are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, not for no reason, obviously. Right, of course. You know? Do you use that towards your brand currently? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. It's great. How do you leverage with all the social media target ads, with all the people sharing? I mean, where social media is at now, like we talked yeah. about TikTok, like... There's always going to be something else, right? Yeah, 100%. What do you think the future of social media holds? Are we going to get this more real-life experience now that I'm feeling let's just roll over? It's like people are fake on social media mm-hmm. and all these so, stereotypes, so to speak. In my opinion, as of now, I think what sticks out most now at this point of how saturated social media is yeah. is authenticity. Yeah. If you're... You know, my friends tell me all the time is they're like, stop talking like a fucking robot on social media. <laughs> when you talk like how you're drunk, and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, when you're drunk, you tell everybody you fucking love them. You tell them that we're going to make it and yeah. we're not going to quit. Yeah. And you're like fucking the Gary V, but you are on roids. Energy. Uh, so talk like that and I'm like no I look stupid but they're like you don't get that that's what people feed off of right. and get excited about it and we started like start toning that and directing it that way next thing you people start feeding off from that mm-hmm. and you know I was just talking to Max uh, Crowns as you know yeah. um, and we were talking about that and just got deep about like you know how being authentic just stands out now absolutely it's, there's a lot of people that do like for the content which is great you gotta feed your fans and audiences content but you right. also have to be authentic to them and Max said one thing, he's like, don't you feel like you know Skrillex like a friend? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I never thought of it that way, but yeah, like, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I know Sonny, because you know yeah. how that was a meme a long right, time ago. Like, you mean Sonny more? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you, you really do. When he steps on a fucking CDJ or when he goes on a Twitter rant or when he gets arrested at an yes. airport for blasting music out of his Tesla, you really feel like you know Skrillex because yeah. he's just been authentic. He's who he is. It's almost like without him even saying things, like he went on this like, I don't even know if it was a hiatus, right? But he wasn't just releasing a ton of music. Yeah. People were like, where's Skrillex? And I was like, dude, he's just taking a little break. Yeah. Right? Like, he's my boy. He just kind of, nice good. Yeah. He's just, just yeah. And, with and, him and you understand day. that. You right. understand when he's not releasing music. You are, yeah. You can almost tell and, like, presume what he's going through and stuff. Right. Which is great because, like, they do the best job of just being themselves. I totally agree. Authenticity is, is what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, these real-life conversations, mm-hmm. like... 
all the editing. I mean, it's just fucking crazy, man. It is. And I feel like social media-wise, like, every person who's on social media is getting segmented by Facebook and Instagram in certain forms. Now they really are. Yeah, and... Which is great from yeah. for marketers. Right. Sucks as a consumer, but at, at the end of the day, Facebook's goal is to make the experience better for you, you as a consumer and you right. as a marketer. Right. So sure. essentially, it works out better for you. Uh, yeah. You know, if I interact with a certain video, I'll see more of that video, and essentially, that it should be like that. You know. Yeah. Why spend thirty minutes scrolling to find a video I like? So of it's course. better. So it's just about reaching those segments and, you know, audiences the right way. And there are tricks and stuff to that, best practices. Yeah. And the thing is, algorithms are always changing. So when you're a music producer or a DJ or a singer or a photographer or a videographer, yeah. essentially, whatever you're starting a brand, you're not just that one thing. You're, oh my God, no. you're your own business manager. You're your own fucking lawyer. You're your Everything. own. Yeah, so... Yeah, until fucking Tony came along, I was I wasn't filming these too, right? Yeah, so it's what you got to do. It's the rite of passage. Like it's yeah. just another lane of you you saying the example yeah. of you started the smallest bar and you worked your way up. Yeah, everybody almost needs to see that you've gone through the mud. Yeah, exactly. I love that answer. Authenticity, man. And, yeah. And honestly, I think your music is very authentic, right? Like Thank you. it's emotional, man. I mean, it's been. Four years, I think, since your first release. I was stalking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere, somewhere Yeah, around. yeah. But I mean, dude, like, I feel like you have really continued to fine-tune your sound, right? Like, yeah, you have yeah, remixes, yeah. like the Halsey Americana one. Yeah. I fucking love that. Uh, Post Malone Die For Me, Sia Audio. Yeah. And original sprinkled in there. I.O. with Zach Marshall, personal favorite. <laughs> Thank love you. that. City of Dreams, your biggest hit. Yeah. So far. Hopefully Ghost outdoes that, because that's my goal. Ghost is great too. Yeah, you thank the words you. Out of my mouth there. I mean, when you first started producing, right? Like, what's stayed the same in your mindset from an authenticity perspective, mm-hmm. and what's changed? Whether it be music theory or even yeah. your your thesis statement. Music theory wise, I'm I'm a blank board. <laughs> uh, I wish. Very I, authentic answer. No, seriously, yeah. I'm I'm fucking. I couldn't tell you a chord on here, but I'll play it by sound, or I'll yeah. mess up the first two times I press keys, mm-hmm. and third time I'll get it. Um, you hear it though. Yeah, and 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 my thing is that I can also teach myself music theory from the books, but I'm also in the position where I'm, it's not that I don't choose to. It's also that I like my fucked up process. Yeah, sure. And I love that. I've had so many great accidents. The whole VIP, which is. <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but my favorite version of the track was born from me just messing with two keys. I was about to scroll away from the preset. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, I like this, but it doesn't go at all. And then I'm like, what if I layer it like this, like this, three days go by, nothing. Right. And then those stabs come along. So it was, it's, to me, making music is just full of the best accidents that could ever happen to you. And I want as many to happen to me as possible. Yeah, of course. You know, you you just said something that kind of rang a bell in my head. It's like. A lot of foreign people, and you can probably relate to this, right? Mm-hmm. You learn English from uh, cartoon shows, right? Yeah. But you maybe can't write it. Yeah. It's the same fucking thing for you, man. Like, you're a visual learner. You're just making mistakes and yeah. hearing it. Exactly. You don't learn how to ride a bike without falling. And totally. It's just, it's just like that. Totally. I mean, yeah. your journey from the song to where you're at now. Yeah. No, are definitely. Proud? Like, are you Are you feeling like you're getting your sound? Yes. And no, no, no. Absolutely. I feel... You know, if I had to say, and you said like four years ago, but that's thankfully I have all this stuff private from high school. I know, we ran through yeah, it. Yeah, we ran through it last time. What you got out to the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I call this, um, I, I make new folders every time I start like a new style or mm-hmm. 
EP or usually or just type of tracks. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds corny, but like I want to be authentic. I want people to know the right thing. As emotional as I get, this folder was called Chapter One because I feel like this is the turn I took in my life to finally yeah. dive in deep. Sure. This is where I'm about to go in the deep end. This is where I'm about to face something I've put off for the longest time where I'm, you know, putting myself first. Yeah. And that's been scary, the scariest thing ever, but right. But thankfully I'm surrounded by six other fucking goons in this frat house <laughs> that are there to, you know, cheer me on and tell me it's fucking great or to tell me that I should put on fucking jeans before you show up and not. I'm like, I should put on sweatpants. I want to look right. like I'm in my own studio and not overdoing it. Put on fucking jeans. So there you go for authenticity, you know. It's, yeah. um, so I, I think this is my chapter one. This is where I'm starting to discover myself, finally putting music out at the time, like City of Dreams. We talked about it. I finished it in fucking high school. Right. I released it last year. Yeah. As proud as I am of that track, I have the biggest pit in my stomach knowing that how much damage that track could have done back then. Right. And it's not me saying I could have fucking blown up, but it's me saying that I could have proven my value as way more experienced back then. But for some reason, I was looking for the right time. Right. And again, you don't learn how to ride a bike without falling. And yeah. I fell and I, I realized that now it's not about waiting. It's about putting out the music. Keep keep putting it out. You know, do it progressively. Yeah. Obviously, quality over quantity. Yeah. And and do it that way. So so now I'm focusing on that. And I want to release music as I make it. Not sit on it for two years, three years. Right. Unless there's a label or anything involved. Then it makes sense logistically. But then, you know, if there's no one involved and you're just like... Right. I'm going to wait till fucking Monster Cat calls me right. out of nowhere. Right. Like, you haven't done anything, but, you know, I'm going to wait for you to call me. So, yeah. so I, I think this is chapter one of me discovering myself as an artist, my philosophy, my morals, and, and that eventually becomes my sound. And I'm glad to say Ghost is that. That's great. Because, yeah. I, I, that's so awesome for yeah. you to say that. I, I didn't realize that this was, like, you finally being like, okay, we made it. Yeah. Because I love all your previous productions, but, you know, from a producer yeah. producer standpoint, like... I may have made something better that I don't like as much, right? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Does those mean the most to you then? Yeah, very much so. And it's hard to pick, like, it's like picking a favorite kid, you know? But <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't do that, but... You can't um, do that. Yeah, but Ghost definitely is, and I have the mo like utmost satisfaction that I didn't just fucking drop that one version I had, and I kept... I didn't settle. Yes. That is the best fucking feeling. Yes. I did not fucking settle, and... Something so fucking great came out of it that I'm like so happy about. Like seeing, right. seeing people at Concord jump to it, you know. Yeah. It's seeing people at the railing with their cameras out. It's right. It could be just because they're waiting for the next artist intro or whatever. But those little things, are like the incentives of okay. I, I'm glad I didn't fucking settle. So true. Yeah. So true. I mean, what does it mean to you, like sitting here in the studio? working on tracks for God knows how long, right? It yeah. depends on the track. It can happen in five minutes, happen in five years, yeah. right? What does it mean to you to play this stuff live? I mean, you've had so many great opportunities. Like, when you fucking push play and you bring it in and you see the reaction. Yeah. Is that what it's all about to you? What's yes. What's important for yes you? Yes and no. I, music perspective? I, I'm, I'm still finding out where I get the most emotional satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's when the idea is born. You just get yeah. this fucking <laughs> happiness in your stomach. And yeah. it's... I, I really wish, you know, like, if you have a pain in your knee, you go and this is what it feels like. You show your friend, you know? Right. But you can't. I wish there was a way to simulate this kind of feeling and put it in someone else's stomach. Just, yeah. When that idea is born, yeah. immediately, like, you do your best and you save it and close it. I fucking emailed it to myself. <laughs> and I'm like, 
my computer's been working completely fine for the last fucking year, but yeah. God forbid it fucking goes corrupt overnight. Not right. that I emailed it to myself and shit, and I'm like sleeping like the happiest fucking baby ever because knowing that I'll wake up and continue working on something I'm so excited about. Right. So that feeling is definitely one of the biggest incentives. Playing it live is is a different form of incentive, mm-hmm. at least, or a reward, I would say. You know, you get mixed reactions, and as an artist, you always tend to focus on the people who aren't reacting versus right, of people who are going crazy. There's a fucking mosh pit, but you're not looking at that. You're looking at the one person to the left who's not moving. Right. Um, <laughs> so true. <laughs> playing it live. Why are you moving? I, well, fucking move, yeah, man. Fucking move, man. I made this Hold song. on, I'm bringing it back. Yeah. That's where you do the classic <laughs> D-Mash backspin. Uh, but no, it's it's definitely it's definitely great. It's a lot of fun uh, playing it live and seeing people go off to it, like the IO intro at fucking North Coast, and I'm like, I got almost stunned. I'm like, are, is this just Molly or is my music actually good? Like, <laughs> yeah. You almost don't want to believe it, but it's people it's, were digging it. Yeah, it's it's just a really good feeling just seeing that, and then I just I can't I wish I could describe either of those feelings. I mean, listen, I think everybody's got their own. Yeah. I don't even think it's advice, right? It's just mm-hmm. something that everybody has their own definition of. I love this because, and there's no way I could even explain to you exactly. why. Yeah. Could be a million different things, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm just happy for you that you found, that you've at least found the path to where that's going to go. Because yeah. I think that's what life's all about, man. 100%. It's finding your why. And, yeah. and talking to you now even more so, every time I hang out with you, man, I believe more and more that you know your why and you're willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. I always say it's... I don't know if I'm motivated or addicted or both. You're definitely addicted. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe we keep it, you know, PG for uh, no, for the interview, but no, I'm definitely 100% fucking addicted. I think in your sense, they go hand in hand, though. Yeah. And no. I think that's probably what's most special about you is yeah. you do have this this obsession. Yeah. No, 100%. And I think one of my friends, uh, mom or someone said this, and they're like, you know, because they asked, like, when did you get into music? How mm-hmm. did someone show you? And I told them the story I told you, and they're yeah. like, you know, sometimes those are the stories why it's meant to be. Yes. And, you know, as a human, you always look for evidence to believe whatever you want to believe. And mm-hmm. I wanted to believe that, but I was really trying to argue it in my head. Yeah. And I'm like, I really, like, it was just a random night. I saw this, and ever since that date, this has been my path. Yeah. It's like, I never got to figure out what else I could want to be. It's just, I knew after that night, that's what I wanted to be. And so, sometimes it's meant to be, and... I guess we'll find out, but so yeah. far it's going great. I think you explained that perfectly, like, without getting too religious, right? Like, yeah. I'm not a very religious person, but I do believe in things happening for a reason, yeah. coincidences, and... The higher power. There's some something story. going on, something bro. Going There's on. too much shit going yeah. on, man. <laughs> I can't remember what I was watching. Uh, some stupid HBO show, right? Called, like, The Outsider, and it's about the Stephen King novel, and they're talking about, like, things that are outside reality, and people mm. that, like, wouldn't accept it, like, all you see is real. It's like... Dude, like, sometimes when you're listening to music, like, you can't believe it's real. Yeah. Like, I'm thankful for living in the now because we have this fucking incredible music. Yeah. I've got these cameras. I got people like you. I got computers, right? Like, we can get this shit out, and that's fucking yeah. awesome. And that's great. And, and to think, whatever track I play you now, yeah. play somebody else in China, Asia, it's India. It's amazing. It communicates, for some reason, the same form of emotions in yeah. their own manner, but... And to, you know, everybody says cheesy shit, like, yeah. music is a universal language, but right. is, it actually is, like, it literally becomes 
the language that brings us all together. Like it's crazy. We both of us come from different backgrounds, but right. we listen to the same type of music and feel the same way when we listen to it. Yeah, and we connect with people exactly. like each other because there's nothing like it when you run into someone at even run into or run into like someone from your past right like i had a friend in high school i hadn't seen him in a long time didn't know he moved back to chicago saw him at like spy bar right on a saturday night at 2 a.m i'm like oh hey, god. hey how you doing he's like sure oh my god i'm like you like the sound of music he's like yeah i'm like let's best friends. More. Yeah, yeah exactly so best friends it, it brings people together in such a unique way and fortunately unfortunately it pushes some people out right yeah and that's just kind of the power that it holds yeah over individuals and over the world as a whole yeah, no, it's it's unique in yeah. its own format. Like Griffin, I'm sure you're familiar with Griffin. Everybody's yeah. familiar with Griffin, right? Like he was playing a show in I think Korea, and uh, they did this up close video of these Korean people, right? Mm-hmm. Or it was Japanese or something, and they have these accents and they're singing their words in English, and I'm like, that is so powerful, like, right? Holy exactly. shit! Mm-hmm. Like some girl literally like like this, like her boyfriend's behind yeah. her, like filming, and she's like, get out of my way. Yep. And I'm sure if you look up the video of him performing that song somewhere in the U.S., you'll find one person doing the same exact exactly. thing. Exactly. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's all about making a difference in one person's life because you do it for yourself, but you do it for... Yeah. To share that feeling, man. Yeah, no. The satisfaction you get out of connecting through it. And that's, why, and, and that's why I really love DJing, especially different types of sets. I mean, you've, you've played some awesome shows, man. Yeah. I mean, North Coast, you mentioned... That was such a great set. I got there early for you because I knew you were going to throw you. down. Dude, that was some old school track and I really liked yeah. that. Like, I love when you play that type of shit because when I was in college, Original Dawn came out, right? I think I was a freshman or sophomore. Mm-hmm. The Flosh and Amos remix, man. And I was yeah. like, damn, bro. Like, whoa. Yep. That's, bum, 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 still, bum. that's still in my set. Yeah. I played it at Shaq. And Did you? Yeah, 100%. Yes. They love it. And and that's my thing, too. Like, trap-wise, it's gotten, like, there's hard trap now. Yeah. <laughs> Death like, trap, like you said. Yeah. No, there's death dubstep step. and death step. <laughs> That's what Shaq was. Yeah, and there's fucking trap and a hard trap, and that's a that's an actual genre. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> I can't keep up. I cannot. It's it's like, but you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But in my style or format, that's my favorite trap, like the old nightmare, the old slander. For Even sure. So, and there's there's amazing now. But yeah. But they've kind of gotten towards slightly this hard trap style, which is great, but like all the old, old stuff I love. Yeah. And that's somewhere where I want to like draw my line of making music. Yeah. Um, like the VIP, I feel like it could be considered, you know, feature based, trap, and dubstep, either mm-hmm. of these genres. For sure. But I, as soon as I cross the line into dubstep, I'm like, no, 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 I can't. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, 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 no. Paul was like, you know, Shaq goes hard. You have to go fucking hard. And I'm was like, Paul on the mic, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He opened for an hour. He had to. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. He loved it. I um, thought he was just on the mic. No, no, no. He. Uh, I was like, I had two hours to play, so I was like, let's back to back the first hour. Oh, fuck yeah, fun. dude. Yeah. It That's was awesome. Yeah, he got to experience that, and it was good. That's the first time he went on the mic, and I'm fucking saying this on the camera, even yeah. if it pisses him off. Yeah. Because I always give him shit for not going on the mic, and I'm like, you have, you have to pop that cherry. Dude. And he did it at Concord, so props to him. He's so full of energy, too. Like, yeah. This could be his thing. He's a fucking goofball. Dude. You know how Dylan Francis went viral with the whole DJ Hansel thing? Yeah, of course. Paolo has 1,000% ability to go viral like that. He speaks in six different accents and has these six different lines he says in each accent. I will not imitate you because it, it will not do just. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. And 
one of them, I'm like, one of them, I'm like, where did you come up with it? I'm like, what's that from? Because usually when you like imitate a line or something, they're like, oh, it's from a fucking right. TV show or South Park or movie or something. I'm like, where do you get that? He's like, I don't know. I just made it up. I'm like, what the fuck goes through your head <laughs> that you're coming up with shit like this? Yeah. So like, I don't know. So I'm like, as soon as you start releasing music, just post your stupid stories. Because again, it's authentic. It's who you are. And right. people will fucking love it. Jesus, dude. That's but, amazing. But I think the, the coolest thing about, one of the coolest things about you is, you know, I never see you sacrificing a set for a slot, right? Like, yeah. you always play for someone that's in line if it's not a headliner. I mean, yeah. I love talking about your festival sets, but Galantis at Prism, it's a pretty dope, man. Fisher to Aragon, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think, like, if you're playing a headline set, like, do you know what you would play? Like, yes. Okay. It would be exactly like the North, North, North Coast set. Wow, I can't speak. Love that. Yeah. Love it. That. Would, I, I love playing the, you know, closing out for Chris Lake, opening for Fisher, those kind of sets. I love that music, and it'll always be in my library. And, you know, if I'm ever headlining a club and they tell me, let the club stay open until 6 a.m., that's yeah. the stuff I'm going to go into. But yes. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know if you were there the night Morton played. Uh, I heard about it. I heard it was great. He played, he started with Progressive House, went into like complete trap, dubstep, and then came back all the way to, you know, like Chris Lake type, like yeah. chill house. Yeah. And then went all the way down to like dark techno kind of. Wow. And I'm like, you know, that's a fucking big range. True journey. Yeah. And I, and it was, he did it very tastefully and, and I realized that like, that's kind of like my palate, you know, I'll fucking, mm-hmm. it's like what you eat i love eating all types of cuisine yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of like that and it and i know a lot of people try to draw the line and obviously as an artist you want to be within one lane you can't be in six but right so that would be my one lane like the north coast set stuff my music is in like you know 140 to 150 bpm yeah, future yeah, yeah. bass trap that's emotional good. ups and downs but that's good man because a huge thing about making money in this industry yeah. right is people want to come see a match set yeah for all you out there who haven't seen him DJ, you gotta fucking go, man. Just make sure I'm not drunk. Just make sure he's not drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't get do not, drinks. Do not pass Hello? me. Do not pass me tequila. <laughs> no tequila for me. Yeah, you can't. No say tequila. No. You sure. saw me. Yo, you saw me yeah. on New Year's Eve. Yeah. No that was tequila. a big night. Yeah. That was a fun night. You had a good time. Yeah, I had a good time. You were giving pep talks. He gave me oh, a pep yeah. talk. I'll fucking I tequila it. means everybody's getting to know that they are loved <laughs> and they have the best potential in their life. I'm glad you're on that I texted side of Alex. He was in China. He's like, bro, I'm at the fucking airport. I'm hungover. What do you want? I'm like, I just want to tell you I fucking love you. <laughs> Damn it. While I'm DJing. And this actually happened. That's amazing. Somewhere along those lines, I literally texted him like, I fucking love you. Just want to text you I love you. Yeah. Tequila makes me very emotional, and it makes me also not give a fuck about anything. Not like I'll get full of testosterone and start fights, but I'll start DJ. I'll yeah. jump genres like fucking. I'll go from one fifty to one ten. I'll go from fucking dubstep to dark techno. But yeah, as long as it works, man. People don't really listen to the intricacies, right? Like, yeah. this ain't movement, you know. Yeah. And I love that shit, and I respect the hell out no, of that. No, I try and make my mixes clean, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's about song yeah. selection. No, absolutely. If you can play the right song at the right time, it, it almost won't matter how it comes in. Obviously, it adds you know character and proper technique to it. But of course, but it the crowd is there, to, and you know this also something Max told me. And he's like, you have to know like whenever you get anxious before walking on stage or something, the crowd is on your side. Right, you're true. not giving them your service. You're not playing for them. 
you know, they're on your side. They want to party just as much as you want to play, and yeah. you guys are all together. And just, if you ever get the nerves, think about that. You're all there to have a good time. Right. The only way you can piss them off is, like, give them absolutely something they wouldn't want. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good mindset. Yeah. No, he's he's... He has a very unique perspective on things, and I love that about him. That's really cool. Yeah. That's because, I mean, I've certainly got nervous for sets, and I'd be like, oh, everybody's yeah. watching, they're going to expect the worst, I, right? I still People do. go there to listen to music yeah. and have fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. Was that an obstacle you had to overcome then? Getting. Before you heard that, just getting ready for shows, like big opportunities? I mean, the Cascade story, right? Your first <laughs> opportunity, that was big. I remember you told that me the story, one. you had your head down the whole time. Oh, that one will... Have you ever seen that tweet where it's like, if I was ever awkward to you, just know that I'll be thinking about it for nine years later <laughs> yeah. on? It's like a meme. It's like a f- screenshot of a tweet that's gone viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. And it's pretty much nine years later. And yeah. I think for the next 20 years, I will always think about this. Right. And it will never go away. That's such a great story. Uh, <laughs> and I'm still laughing. Give us a Spartanos version because it's fucking legendary. Basically, there was a DJ competition at Castle in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to do it in the basement. Uh, essentially, it was, you know, you have a 20-minute slot. There were six DJs. You were put against one DJ. Three, you know, three three competitors basically each get 20-minute slots, six DJs total. It was it was a club's way of getting people out and filling up their basement room. Yeah. Uh, because how, how the judgment was done is like, okay, make some noise for DJ A and yeah. whoever has the loudest screams. Right. And who do you think is going to have the loudest scream? Whoever brought out the most amount of people. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see that till I realized how the club business worked. But I, I was right. 17, uh, drove all the way down. It was senior sleep out night. <laughs> And I skipped it to come down here after I won the competition, and uh, I had a 20-minute slot. But it wasn't technically direct support. It was, you know, support, direct support, the 20-minute contest winner for Cascades Navy Pier Show After Party. God damn. Uh, Played a crazy set. To this day, they couldn't let me in because corporate was in town or whatever, and they had to... I waited in my car. I got here before the fucking club opened. (laughs) And this is what Tao is now. So I will, yeah. that street will always have that memory yes, for me whenever I drive by there. So it's kind of unique that I got to play Tao too. Right, absolutely. Uh, I waited. I got there at like 8. The fucking club opened at 10. Cascade was going to go out at 1.30. I'm there. sitting there in my car this whole time. Why the <laughs> fuck would I move? They could come out any minute. They could text me. But right. my whole thing was like, if I move, they might not text me. Or they might just fucking not I got to be ready. And they texted me like, I'll be, uh, be at the door in 10 minutes. I'm freezing fucking cold, uh, waiting at the door. Fucking 40 minutes go by. I'm standing yeah. there. They walk me in. They're like, it's packed. We're already at capacity. We close the doors. You need to bring the energy up because Cascade, <laughs> he's late. Because that's why I waited like 40 minutes at the door. And I'm right. Like, so thankfully, I had prepared three versions of the set. <laughs> Brought fucking six flash drives because uh, yeah. God forbid I thought all of them were gonna be corrupt. <laughs> um, Laptop too. One set was called open, and I still format these sets this way. Yeah. One set was called like mid open, meaning like mid energy stuff, and one set was called just hot, meaning fucking burn it down. Uh, Twenty minutes set still on SoundCloud. Played it. To this day, I can't even remember what the crowd looked like, but I because I don't remember looking up, or if I had looked up, I was so anxious that I don't remember because I just <laughs> forgot. Trying to get through it. 
Uh, yeah, uh, my at that point, my thing was like, I just want to be done with the set and get yeah. off already because yeah. it was so overwhelming. I felt so out of place. Nobody knew there was no one with me there. Right. Uh, played the set, Cascade and his TM walk on. I end the set and Cascade's like trying to say, I'm like, good job, little buddy or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just trying to get out of the way. I didn't right. even see Cascade walk in or something. And I heard that, you know, sometimes somebody says something to right, you. Right, right, right. You hear it two seconds later. Yeah. You go, wait, what'd you say? And then you go, oh, before they could even repeat it, you already right. figure out what they said. Right. It was one of those things. I turned around and he had already like put his hand away and just like kind of gave me a pat God. on the back. I could have turned around and be like, I'm sorry, I totally missed that handshake. Let's redo it, which is what I do today. Right. <laughs> and you can tell I fucking thought about this 900 times because that's why I know what I would do today. This so vividly. I see it every time I, every time I tell this story. I yeah. see whoever was on stage and everything, and then immediately they walk me out. And the whole ride home, I'm <laughs> blasting music but not listening to a word. I don't... You ever drive for so long and you're like, holy fuck, I'm already like this far ahead. But right. I was zoned out this whole time. Right, right. Yeah, I was zoned out. I'm not out. paying attention. I was zoned about thinking about how big a fucking moron I was that I missed like the biggest handshake. Like just so to this day, I think about it and maybe hopefully one day I'll get to tell him this story. You will. Yeah. That was, that was definitely an obstacle right If there. I see him like and have the chance to talk to him, I'm literally going to be like, listen, I need a proper handshake from you. And he's going to be like, why the fuck? And I'm going to be like, you have 10 minutes for a fucking story? Because I need this redemption more than anything ever. Now, here's the funniest thing about the story is he was late because he was skateboarding from Navy Pier. He was skateboarding from Navy Pier to like, not to the club or anything, but people saw him just longboarding, skateboarding. Like Cascade. He couldn't get, and then and then when he does ultra, he does these like uh, jogs or yeah, like four years ago, like meet up and let's all jog together. That guy's a good guy. And then (laughs) you watch his set and he's in just sandals, just having a great time. Or barefoot. Every time he's in Vegas, yeah, barefoot. I love it. We got to see him in Vegas. um, Chaos, which is no longer. R.I.P. R.I.P. Hard to keep a business model like that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Speaking of business models, man. You were just telling a story from nine years ago, right? Mm-hmm. You got a pretty good sense of what's changed in the past 10 years, man. I mean, and we've talked a lot about it in this conversation. What do you think 2020 through 2030 holds for you, for music, for electronic music? I, I always heard the phrase trends repeat because, mm-hmm. you know, you think about the most died out, washed out genre. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is and I don't want to say anything because... God forbid this video gets out 10 years later, like <laughs> Justin Bieber's and somebody calls me out like, he was talking shit about yeah. this genre and now we're back in trend. Yeah. But think about the smallest genre there is, uh, you know, like the warp tours and stuff were so hot when we we're in high school and oh, stuff. Oh shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you don't hear about them as much, but they're still going. Right. There's a market for that, anything. So ultimately, I, you know, I did have that fear because as a career profession, you know, I'm sure you remember uh, a high school counselor or someone was like, well, there's not a lot of demand for pharmacists or there's not a right. lot of demand for nurses, stuff right. like that. Yeah. So I always wondered, like, is this demand going to die down? But essentially what I realized is there will always be a nightclub somewhere who's trying to book a DJ. There will always be some kind of party or a festival going on. These things won't just die down right. with our generations. Every generation has had their music. Essentially, ours would be rap and EDM. Right. Before that, you know, whatever these genres have, they always... Once they've peaked, there's always a market. So these artists are still thriving and living that you may not hear of. But mm-hmm. So essentially, I feel like these trends will just keep repeating amongst our generation. At least. Right. For Generation Z, it should be interesting. There might be metal death, death step or yeah. God knows what. Right. 
or it might just go counter opposite and just a bunch of fucking air sounds, no kick, no snare, nothing. <laughs> it's hard to predict. Um, yeah, true. But as you see houses like thriving full force, you know, um, I was talking to Mike and he was like, yeah, we fucking had Chris Lake at Spy Bar and we did uh, pizza meet and greet. And I remember seeing that video when I was in fucking high school. Right. Uh, at Pie Pizza. And yeah. now if you fucking, <laughs> you know, Chris Lake sold out everywhere. Everywhere. So it, it's it's unique to see that, and, and I respect him. And I use him as an example because he's stuck by his genre. He he's such a good example, man. He's stuck by his genre. You look at Cascade, you look at Skirt, they're, they're doing their music. Right. Because it's not that, oh, let's go get a quick paycheck. It'll come back around. And yep. even if it doesn't, those fans even just fall off the face of the earth or just say, fuck you, and now we're going to be a you know Chris Lake or Subtronics fans. Right. In fact, they've merged more. You know, I personally think, like, the gap between house and dubstep has, like, synchronized and gotten much smaller, which is unique. So, it yeah. should be interesting. I, I never have a, you know, a particular answer of where it'll go, but, mm-hmm. um, but like, look at Riot Fest, you know? Yeah. And in a, in a city like Spring Awakening, North Coast, Lollapalooza, where rap and EDM are thriving, it's still killing it. Still killing it. Yeah. And so things, it'll, it'll definitely be around. And for me, I just personally want to make music that I enjoy and you know I have a lot of orchestral stuff I have just a lot of guitar stuff mm-hmm. and it's just a bunch of guitar melodies because I always want to learn how to play guitar but I learned how to do it via midis you know yeah so so I have a lot of stuff like that some stuff I just make because it pleases me and I'll never release and some stuff I may just release because I can and yeah but essentially I just want to keep making music I like that's it yeah absolutely and, man my thing is, if it gives me, if, if it makes me feel a certain way, I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. So I'll always ask myself, do I feel this way? Like, there's this one fucking fiddle in, v, in the VIP, right? Right before the drop gets stripped, and it's like a, it's a fiddle, it just goes, and that little fiddle, I spent two days trying to change it, trying to draw my own, trying to design my own, because I was like, this drum set sounds way too different than the drum and snare I have throughout the whole track. Right. And after two days, I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> because what essentially what I'm trying to do is trying to replace that and make it into something that sounds, using the drum set I'm using, right? Right. Uh, sounds as good as that. I'm basically looking for a replacement of the sounds, but feels the same way. Mm-hmm. And after looking for two days trying to design one, I wasn't able to. And, you know, this could be my inability to be educated or have the experience. And that's yeah. part of learning. But right. if it's not... At the end of the day, I was like, fuck it. I like the way this one feels. I'm mm-hmm. trying to change it because from technical perspectives, it's wrong to have a different drum set in the middle of the track. But I'm like, fuck it. I like it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people made it by breaking the rules. And I'm not trying to enforce like, fuck it. I'm going to break the rule and get bigger and better about that. Right. But I was like, if I like this feeling, then I'm going to do it. So that's that's how I see my future. Like, if it's going to make me feel a certain way, I'm sure there's somebody out there who will feel a certain way about it. You're not chasing a trend. You're following your journey. Yeah, I want to follow my emotions. You're gonna last longer, man. Chris Lake is another great example, right? Like, I, he's not old, but he's older. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And he's, he's still fucking kicking, right? And he's bigger than ever because he's just been going like this the whole time. The whole like time. We talked about in the beginning, like. And he's sustained. It's going back to this, right? For the last, and I'm gonna cut you off. For the last, yeah, few, right. You took the last few years. What were the trends? The dubsteps came around. The bass house came around. Yeah. And he. He could have just fuck it or, you know, start giving people what they want, but he kept it going. 
And then the trend itself came back around, and he put it on the map as well. But if you think about it from like a statistical point or economic point or any like you know trend point, yeah, how like we as consumers, we as people digest music and accept it, um, somebody has to put it in the forefront and create it into the trend form. Absolutely, uh, Deceiver and all these tracks—they've been around a while, you know. Yeah, yeah. But right now, Dece- Deceiver is probably the most played track in the last six months. Dude, so. Such a good I think dance music is going to come, like, dancing. Yeah. Right? Like, there's this, it's, it's all a cyclical process. So I, I think your answer is fucking spot on. Man. Yeah. Probably one of the best, honestly. This is episode 99. Yeah. You gave one of the best so far. Exactly. So fucking props Perfect. to you on that, man. Yeah, teamwork. Sorry to the other guys that maybe said something different, but no. it's all a matter of opinion. So I, yeah. I definitely vibe with you on that. And what I think is going to happen is really people are looking to continue to go to festivals and clubs. And I think super clubs are going to be yeah. as well. Radius is going to be really interesting to see how that mm-hmm. works out. But people want to still go out and dance rather than like party. So like EDM, right, is mm-hmm. like... Almost for whatever reason has a bad connotation sometimes. Yeah, so no, no, EDM Chicago, like you said, right? It's yeah, like, ain't no EDM in that shit. Like mm-hmm. that's like the poor stuff, right? But like the concept of it all is music you can dance to, right? Dance music. Exactly. Yeah. So we're gonna get back to that. There's gonna be more live acts that kind of come in. I think yeah. Oregon City is really at the forefront of live house music with singers. There you, go. you can dance. Like you're mm-hmm. meshing together pop house live rock. Exactly. And that is what's popular. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, it's timeless. And compare that, compare them to Lewis the Child. Right. And Nothing study that dynamic, how they do it in completely different tasteful ways. But yes. they have similar consumers. People listen to their each other's music. It's, yeah. it's so unique how how we digest both types of music, and they're mm-hmm. so different. Right. Know? So true. And th- it's funny because those guys, both those groups, yeah, really good club DJs too, right? Yeah. So they get their fill, right? Like exactly. When I went for Gorgon at Concord, man, they fucking first hour was hard tech house, right? I fucking love it. And I fucking love it. Yeah. And it, it helps so much because it gives the I stream Gorgon City, right? And they have their own label and stuff like yeah. that. But if like I'm an average Gorgon City fan, I mm-hmm. probably listen to their big hits, right? Yeah. Like. Go slow with Cascade, let's just say that, mm-hmm. right? That's singable, it's not super intense, right? It's not very, like, tech. Mm-hmm. But then people come to those shows and then hear another side yes. of it. And you see people getting more interested in mm-hmm. the deeper levels of music. No, absolutely. And I think that's what opens their mind to it. Yes. The live aspect, you know? Yes, I, absolutely. I, I always heard um, that once you start performing shows, your perspective on making music changes a lot. Yes. And when I had heard that, I hadn't played shows and I want, I didn't want to believe it mm-hmm. as much, but I believe it so much now. I mean, my fucking side chaining changed <laughs> from something that technical to, yeah. you know, like side chain compression compared to like how I perf- like set my drum rhythm yeah. and where I place my fills and stuff. It all changed and it makes such a difference. And when you say that, it's like it opens their mind to it. Like you, you think about imagination, right? Yeah. I, I can show it to my sisters who barely listen to EDM and they're like, oh, I like this. Think about one of their other tracks that are not as well known. They'll be like, what is this? But if they saw that track live, it's a whole different perspective. Right. It's a whole different perspective. Part of the reason, like, I rush, you know, my whole thing is like, never rush anything. Um, so even though the, I don't fucking take that advice one bit, <laughs> I always rush everything. But... Um, I might, I was contemplating very 
very much that do I want to release this track and not be sure or do I because of this ear infection I had two ear infections yeah um, and uh, do I want to release this track and not be sure or do I want to you know release and maximize on this opportunity of a show I have yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like and I was like I did my best I don't know how big a difference I can make yeah but at this point I don't want to take regret I want to present it to them live yeah for sure. And the reactions Alex got on this camera, he's going to get a recap. And it's I gonna, can't wait to see. It, I mean, it has you, a 360 camera, so it's insane. Dude. Yeah. I've been seeing those. It's really dope. Those are, yeah. Those are unique. <laughs> Fucking, dude, what are you talking about? Speaker technology? But I can't I know, dude. We talked about this last time. Yeah. Like, YouTube was a place where everybody went to listen to music. Yep. You know, and I was just talking to a friend. Like, think about, like, streaming world. Fucking, YouTube was... Where YouTube was a SoundCloud, YouTube was a Spotify, YouTube was an Apple Music. Where did you listen to all your music in, like, when you were in high school and pre-high school and middle school? Fucking iTunes? iTunes, you, but, like, all the videos and YouTube stuff. YouTube, mostly. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, when Akon Smack That came out. Where were you listening to fucking um, music? YouTube. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. But they were one of the last people to come into streaming businesses. True. And it's so unique to study that. And it's so, going back to that, it's like... When do we think like music producers were becoming big, but they had always been around? Who was producing rap, pop, all these beats? Right. All these people, producers were always around, but they're finally just starting to get credit. Like Jay Cole said it. They're like, you know, us rappers get all these fucking credit, but where are the producers? Why am we giving them credit? They put like the rhythm to their track and right. stuff, which was great to see. And just like that, like when we talked about the last podcast, mm -hmm. fucking videography, vlogs and stuff. Like yeah, you look crazy. at David Dobrik and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, this man's giving away fucking cars. Dude, he gave a Chipotle uh, delivery guy a thousand bucks cash. I'll deliver his fucking I'll Chipotle. I'll deliver his Chipotle. I'll change his oil. <laughs> Definitely cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he actually needs an oil change, then leave it in. David? Yeah. We Amazing. got synthetic oil too. We got synthetic oil. Yeah. No problem, Dave. <laughs> So true, man. I mean, I want you to give one piece of advice that you can for where you're at now to people that maybe are watching. I have a lot of people that reach out and mm -hmm. always want to get get in touch with the guests. What would be your one piece of advice from someone who's trying to make it in the music industry? So, I learned, uh, took an entrepreneurship class. Um, not a very class person. So if I go to class. Not that I'm bad at studying or I'm a bad kid. It's yeah. just... If I know I'm going to pass, I will not go to class. I did a whole fucking presentation that day and gave it myself. And it was perfectly fine. I aced it. Now I'm talking out of my ass. You're but, but took an entrepreneurship class. And the yeah. last day, the professor uh, was a very enthusiastic uh, entrepreneur. Cared about his students. One of the greatest professors I had. Mm -hmm. He gave this whole speech about you know how entrepreneurs are made and stuff. And how... There are Gary V's, Tony Robinsons. There's everybody there to tell you how to live your life, how to be motivated and stuff like that. But people aren't really there to make you realize that first you got to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. You know, mentally, physically, you got to be healthy. Like mm -hmm. the track. If I'm fucking deaf, I can't enjoy this. True. It's like a I'm I'm not a doll, but it's like a doll losing her voice. Yeah. You know. So my advice would be what he told us that day, and when he told this to us, and that's why I'm telling this backstory is. When he told this to us, he said it in such a simple form. On my way home, I realized that I was already doing that advice, and that is the reason. Mm. That was the answer to, do I deserve this North Coast slot? Do I deserve this Fisher slot? Right. That was the answer. And that advice was, and he fucking screamed it. He's like, just fucking be there. Be in the same room. Be in the same club. Yep. Be in the same circle. Yeah. 
you want to get into someone's circle, it doesn't happen. Just be there. Yep. And the bigger picture of this advice is, uh, let's say you have all the music. Great. You got all the music out of the way. Look at Martin Garrix's story. Yeah. Spinning brought him in after they heard all the ghost-produced music he was making. Right. But he was obviously in some people's circles that he was ghost-producing for. Right. So go be there. Go yeah. in the room. Go in the club. Introduce yourself to fucking managers you know like my story i told you i started promoting in wicker park yeah at a club called rhyme or reason yeah and the manager's like you know if you bring out a lot of people i'll bring you out to one of the city clubs and it was cuvee and wow. same thing like that and you know what happened i had zero fucking money <laughs> i was like i didn't know how to promote i looked up articles and shit nobody's writing articles how to fucking promote but he's like i need you to bring 30 40 people in and I was like, I'll bring you 60 people, but I'm only telling you I'll bring you 60 because I plan to bring 70 minimum. And he's like, that's fucking bold. And I was like, fuck, how much Red Bull did I drink that I said that? <laughs> so instead of messaging people, come by this and that or something, out of my own pocket, I bought two bottles. Mm -hmm. And you have to think, well, I'm 21. I just turned 21 Not two months no ago. Money. That's $800. <laughs> oh, fuck, my parents are going to watch this. <laughs> And that's $800, right? And I told everybody that I'm throwing a party. Yeah. I'm throwing a party at a bar. Yeah. We'll have liquor. And instead of saying, you better be there and bring your friends, I said, let's go get up. Let's right. make memories. I want to, and I did it, and, and this was part of the, you know, of believing it to sell it, you know? If you actually act like you believe it, at least, or actually buy into it. If you buy into yourself, first you have to buy into it yourself for others to buy into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, so that was, and I'm like, let's go. I want to take the best pictures. I want you to be fucking thrown up by the end of the night. <laughs> I want you to, and we brought out like, I think it was like 119 something people. Jesus. Two bottles were gone before I came back from the bathroom and I could put my belt back on. For sure. Gone. But people came, they stayed yeah. there because yeah. other friends were there. Right. And then I realized that I just, it's not that I hacked the system. I'm sure a lot of people have done it, but I was like, I took a unique approach. Now, I made most of the money back that I spent on bottles from being paid from prom promoting. Right. Uh, from that door, uh, so many other doors opened up. Yeah. Uh, and I navigated my ways through there. But how I met the manager was I fucking DM'd him on Instagram. He mm. saw it, didn't respond. So I went and liked my own message so he sees it. <laughs> Didn't respond. Messaged him again. Didn't respond. Went to the bar. Introduced myself. Yep. Didn't respond. Uh, didn't ever get back to me. I just... And I said... I, to this day, just kept showing up. Just kept showing up. Yep. I wanted to annoy him in a good way. And one day he said, you know what's good about you? What I like about you? You're a persistent motherfucker. Yep. He didn't have to be Steve Jobs. You know, like, a club manager could be a complete scumbag. Right. Not that they are, but... He could have not given a shit, but he's like, you persistently annoyed me to give you an opportunity. Yeah. So here it is. Polite persistence. Yeah, polite. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, hey, man, I'm here. I, whenever you get a sec to talk. And I would literally just stand there with that one drink for fucking hours, see him run back and forth, go on the mic, walking tables, stuff like that. Yeah. So when my entrepreneur teacher gave me that advice, I realized I was just there. And then that room changed to a different room, the different circle. Mm -hmm. And I never left till, not that I got my way, but till I earned my way. Yeah. To just be there. You know, like last time I said, bit, learn the business side of the music, the networking. And it's equally, if not, I think if it's more important 
than almost having good music. So true. And uh, so that's essentially what this translates to. Be there. Just be in the room. Be around the right people. You know, people will notice you eventually. Just so contribute. True. Sacrifice. Yeah. The yeah, times and it's you easy can't to not be there. Exactly, and and you know, don't ask for shit right away. Be, go be there and tell them, hey man, how can I be an assistant to you? Yeah, yeah. God damn, dude. And it's hard though, cause because you know, we, it's not like we hey, we're all born with a savings account, so you most of the times we can't afford to do that. And right, I, right. I couldn't afford to buy the two bottles. Right. And I'm sure I'll get a call from my parents if they watch this whole fucking video, but that's fine. Because now, it now it's four years later. Mom and dad, I fucking made it back. And right? your parents still get in trouble four years later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bill, come home right now. But, uh, yeah, just, just fucking be there. I love that, Do man. your best, you know, and support others. And then you can ask support back. I love that. Well, I'll be here to support you, man. Thanks, bro. What's, what's next for you this year? Just had a big release, big show. Uh, right anything now, you can, anything you can say? Right now, I'm focusing on. Uh, oh fuck, I'm trying to. We had this problem last time. Yeah, I know we had this problem. <laughs> uh, so right now, I'm focusing on initially marketing these releases and getting them out there to the right ears and stuff. Great. Which you know you can't just. And here's another piece of advice: just because you dropped a track and got it on some repo chains and got a few features, doesn't mean it's done majority of the track marketing, you know, the movie, the thing about the movies, once they're done being shot, they do a whole fucking press tour yep. to promote it. You got to do that. You got to think about it. Like it's your brand new clothing line or your brand new shoe, you drop Kanye and you got to market it and sell it. Right. So that's my focus right now. There's a really big track I have coming with a really fairly big singer. Finally, for the first time, a few of my friends and everyone have asked for a female singer. So yeah, I do not want to say the name yet. Okay. But once I have something, um, I'll send it your way for some feedback. I'd love that. Uh, love that and then uh, some interesting shows this summer. Okay. Lala is in one of them, but hopefully sometime down the road. Absolutely. <laughs> Since you brought that up. Any Chicago guy, right? Yeah. That's such a very, like, dude, that's just like. I, I sort of got if Lala calls me or someone they're like, you want to play? I'm like. Yeah, can you give me 20 guest passes? Dude. And we're just going to have a massive fucking back-to-back. -back. I had a dream about it. Because I, I didn't smoke weed like last week because I was so worried about the... I wasn't worried about the panel, but I was like, i, I got to be fucking ready, right? I, fuck. Whenever I don't smoke, I have these lucid dreams. Mm -hmm. And I literally, in my dream, woke up in the morning and I get a call. Hey, Matt, listen, I got a slot. 2, 3 p.m. Perry Sanders like, yeah, 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 I'm on my way. Bro, give me 9 a.m. Yeah, while the right. crew's there. I'll be there. It's been my dreams, bro. Like, yeah. this shit, that's how much I love it, right? Like, no, yeah. It means something to me. My thing is, I'm just going to go back to back with all my favorite 10, 10 of my favorite Chicago DJs. So we'll all just go back to back. So I don't get to say I played Lala. We all fucking we get all to say We all fucking play. play. Let's go. Jesus Christ, man. C3's gonna watch this video like, yeah, never mind, take yeah, him off. Fuck that guy. Fuck that fucking pothead. The guy wants to bring 20 guests. 20 passes. guests. Oh, passes. No, what the fuck is he thinking? Hey, you you said something bad too. I hear my parents gonna be mad at that as well. But yeah, hey, come on, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, D, man, I just want to say one more time, keep doing your thing, man. You raise the bar so consistently. I got so much respect for you, and it's such a pleasure to sit down and talk to someone like you because you're not no, going to stop. And I'm motivated by your motivation, man. Thank you. And for everybody else out there like who doesn't know D, who doesn't know his music, it's it's fucking awesome. My mom hates it, but... Yeah. She sets it as her alarm. 
I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that'll get you up right away. I'm gonna set it as my alarm. Hey, I I'm I still get royalties. So I'm trying to do 20 push-ups when I get up in the morning, even before I go pee. So that'll help well, me. Right? You might want to set like some stuff, Shaq plays. I'm afraid. But you might wake up in the middle of an epileptic episode. Okay. So don't cool. do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Sounds yeah. good. Thanks for the Maybe advice. Maybe stick bro. with like losing it by Fisher, where you just wake up to some rhythm. Or... <laughs> I like that. I like that. So interesting. I remember seeing that video. I can't remember what stage it was. Tomorrowland or something with a blue like tent over it or something. Mm-hmm. Way like months before. Yeah. Losing it was like mainstream. Yeah. Not that I'm saying I found it first. Right, of course. That'll bring a herd of fucking army <laughs> saying, I knew it in 2014. <laughs> I knew it in 1995. But, mm-hmm. but I heard it, it before it was released to it like a club. Yeah. And, and it's, like, so, like some house DJ played it. It's crazy, and then just boom. And now, and now everybody's making the horn house. Yeah, the horn house. <laughs> I love that term, horn house. Reverse horn house. Yeah. It's fucking good, man. It's fucking good. All those Dude, but seriously, congrats to you on everything you're doing. No, great end of the year. Great start to the year, man. So yeah. Keep it up. Good talking, man. Hell yeah.